0: hey there world this is your host alexis and you're listening to the full and complete podcast where the gifts of the body come together to edify the body until we are all one in christ So, if you guys have had an amazing two weeks you guys have had such a reaction to last um episode and you know i love y'all <laughs> um I do want to address that real quick um, before we get into the meat of the episode. So I guess we'll consider that a church announcement for this week because I really got a whole lot of church announcement guys. I'm working on merch. This is really hard because merch is merch is like tricky to me. I want merch that I would be able to wear until there are holes in it and then some. Like I want t-shirts that I can just wear out and I will not wear out a t-shirt that just has a basic logo on it (laughs) I want it to be like someone really thought this design out um really put some effort in it and so for me um that's kind of the approach I'm taking I really want it to be something like I want you to be able to wear it while you're shopping and going out and people ask you hey what is that about what's this shirt for Oh, what's that podcast about? Oh, you, you you listen to this? Well, let's have a conversation about that. Like, I want it to be thought-provoking and all that stuff. So merch is coming. It's going to take me a second. But um, let's talk about this episode from last week. And then we'll get into the meat of the episode for this week. Um, <laughs> You guys. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to those who reached out and really were impacted by last episode for those who listened um, thank you for listening whether your reaction was good or bad um, the, the fact that you took out I think the episode was like an hour <laughs> the fact that you took out an hour to listen um, I appreciate it um, but there are a few things I want to address a few things I want to talk about because um, there seems to have been a very mixed bag of reactions and I kind of want to set the field before we go any further um, about what this podcast is about, about what I'm about, and about why I do the things I do and why we say the things I say. So um, let's start here. I really want to communicate that this podcast is not a heresy hunter podcast. What do I mean by that? I mean, I am not about to get on every two weeks and tell you this teacher is false or this teaching is false, although we will we will talk about false teaching. (laughs) Like, Please please understand that as part of edifying the body is being able to say, hey, this might not be the correct way of explaining that. This might not be the way that this was meant in the Bible. This might not be the way that you put this scripture into context and then pull out meaning and application from it. I'm going to talk about those things because they are very important. But this is not the podcast where you're going to find me calling people out and saying they're false teachers and all of that stuff. I'm just not I'm not about that man. Even if you listen to the last episode, yes, we did talk about the prosperity gospel, word of faith, signs, wonders, miracles, all kinds of stuff. We we was we was on it last last episode and <laughs> I, I said so much of what I said not to attack anyone, not to make anyone feel bad or not to um cause anyone to feel like they need to I don't know, they're they're just a very interesting response Um, this is not a show where we attack people I'm not here for that Um, I am going to share the gospel, I am going to defend the gospel, Um, I believe that when we are told that we need to be prepared to give a defense for what we believe, which is very much in the Bible it's in 1 Timothy um, when we are told that we need to have a thorough understanding that, because I mean, I, I really want you to think like, it would be so illogical and just in other words sloppy of me to have a podcast where we talk about edifying the body and never talk about the things that might cause harm to the body. Um, and so I, I have a, a burden on me to talk about those things and so th- they will be discussed here but this is not uh, I'm not here to do any heresy hunting here y'all that's exhausting um, <laughs> number two is that the, the issue I have with the um, prosperity gospel word of faith signs wonders miracles as the sign of you being belief all of that is, is one of biblical importance and so I say this with with a proposal. I say this with um, sincerity and openness. For real, um, I have always been a proponent of actually studying scripture for yourself. I've always been the person who has been like, you need to ask the hard questions. You really need to examine what it is that you believe. Um, you don't get into heaven on the coattails of your father's prayers or your mother's prayers or your grandfather's or grandmother's prayers your great auntie's prayers like that that's really great that they prayed for you but you need your own relationship with god like you you need your own relationship and so you need to ask questions you need to realize what it is that you believe it's really great i hear a lot of you guys um grew up in the church which is is cool you know that's that's cool i grew up in, in the church a little bit too you know that's fine um but i i genuinely had to have my own reckoning with god i i really had to ask my own questions um before i was able to say okay i'm i'm a christian because i know i know what it is that i believe um and so i say that to say i personally see no biblical defense for the prosperity gospel or the word of faith movement not one that has been soundly constructed not one that has been with scripture in context with an awareness for the settings and the um the ways and displayments of those scriptures Um, the meaning behind the ways that they were presented, I have yet to see a biblical sound defense for the prosperity gospel word of faith slash science miracles wonders to be a believer kind of movement. And so, my proposal is if you know someone who can present a biblical defense if you know someone who does teach the prosperity gospel movement you believe that they can strongly give a sound defense now when i keep saying sound because a lot of the times what i'm seeing in in this camp is people kind of just pull stuff out of context and and they say stuff um with scripture as kind of being the accessory to be like here this proves my point and you know nothing wrong with topical preaching and anything like that but just pulling a scripture to prove your point is a terrible way to build a theology or a doctrine it's just it, I, I think we can do better and so I, i'm saying if you know someone who can and you know someone who does have a biblical defense a sound biblical defense holler at me my instagram is at with love underscore lexus you can you can find me on there send me a message. maybe we'll talk a little bit but my that, that is that is my main problem. one I'm seeing that there's just there isn't enough proof to say that if you have enough faith God will give you whatever your heart desires. I just I don't see that. Um, I believe that things happen according to God's will and if God wills you, to have a hundred million dollars, that's great. That's amazing. And if God wills you to just work an average job and have an average life, that's great. That's amazing. (laughs) Like, like, either way, God be glorified. He is good. He's sovereign. Um, And so am I like (laughs) anti-prosperity gospel? Yeah. Am I for the poverty gospel which if you don't know what the poverty gospel is it's this idea that we need to be down and out and absolutely broke and suffering all the time for God to be glorified I don't run with that camp either (laughs) like I fall somewhere in the middle if God does it great if God doesn't do it then great either way he's to be sovereign and our finances or to bring glory to God and so if God blesses me with all that money and and houses and cars and and wealth that I can't even imagine then I pray that I would be able to be a blessing to others who really need it i mean there's an entire war going on in ukraine do you understand that if i had money i would just buy houses our apartment complexes or places for those refugees to live like that that would be my thing like that's where my heart is it, it's not so i can say god bless me because i had enough faith i i genuinely i see people hurting i see people broken and my heart goes out to them i i feel like like i want to give them a hug and a place to breathe and not stress and so if anything that's that's where i would put my finances at and so i i understand like no no we don't need to be suffering to be able to say that we're glorifying god i think that's that's just not that's just not smart how are we able to give someone if give to someone if we don't have something to give you know so I don't think that's smart. I think if anything, if we're going to talk about finances and wealth and health, we have to talk about being a good steward. We need to talk about God blessing you with a job and with finances, with your home, with your car and taking good care of it. So if you have a job, we need to talk about you sharpening your skills at that job, learning, excuse me, all, <laughs> learning new skills at that job. I forgot to take coffee breaks in between here and i just surprised myself but um anywho we need to talk about you know having a 401k or an ira having a roth ira um we need to talk about budgeting can you budget do you know how to budget like i feel like that is a better way of teaching health and wealth if we're gonna do it um if we're gonna talk about health an example god gave you this body and it is a temple and we need to take care of our bodies so that means you know are you are you eating the right things i'm not saying you gonna eat um broccoli and spinach and leaves until you die but what i am saying is if you're gonna do eat stuff that you know you shouldn't be eating you should do it in moderation (laughs) if you know that you're gonna go have that slice of cake you shouldn't have a slice of cake every week night maybe 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 like once a week if your diet can contain that once a month um are you doing what it is that your body needs you to do in order to function and live a long and healthy life i feel like that's a proper teaching of health and maintaining that um and there's there's biblical defense for that I, I like the like it's not a it's not something i'm saying to just be like yeah, attack prosperity gospel preachers. Like, no, 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 no. I genuinely am concerned at the way this teaching impacts believers and how biblical it is and how sound it is. Um, and so that's the second thing I want to say. The third thing is if you listened, if you haven't listened to the um, podcast before this one, go listen to it. But if you did listen and you for some reason still think I lack faith. You think that I'm making this up or I'm just jumping on the bandwagon, I'm just talking from a place of hurt or whatever the case might be. I encourage you to go look for yourself. Don't ever take anything I say, anything anyone says. Literally, don't, don't take anything anyone says as the absolute truth as the end all be all no 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 you have a responsibility to go study the word for yourself now if you study the word and you and you still and you still can do with the prosperity gospel word of faith movement and believing that you need to see sign wonders and miracles to say that you're a believer then god bless you I feel I really feel that we'll get to heaven and we'll hash out a whole lot of stuff there because God will be like now y'all was stripping y'all was really 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 spazzing out on this one point when in actuality it didn't matter that much like I feel like we'll get to heaven and God will correct us in ways we had no idea like it'll be and we'll feel so stupid about it like <laughs> like it's that we'll get to heaven and God's gonna be like now now y'all could did better love (laughs) y'all but what were y'all what what was this discussion about um but i mean all i'm saying is go go do your research go do your homework i'm finding that a lot of people um on both sides of the camp who are pro prosperity gospel and who are pro poverty gospel um who are on any extreme in christianity I, i find that extremes in the christian faith are the wrong way to go You take extremes on the majors, the majors being that first tier. We've talked about this. We've talked about Moller's hierarchy here where we talked about the three tiers of issues. Um, Those first tier issues, um, dealing with the inerrancy of scripture, dealing with the humanity and divinity of Jesus, Jesus being in the Godhead, there being a trinity, all of that stuff, us needing um, someone to die for our sins, us being sinful in general. All of those things are are major first year issues. And absolutely, you can be as extreme as you want on those. You should be. You should be very, almost knocked the coffee pot over. You should be very (laughs) strong on those. But on like little stuff, guys, man, we're going to disagree. And if you study and come to a different conclusion, then cool. That's okay. I still love you. I'm mad at you. We can do work together. We might not sit in the same church. We might not run around the same circles, but like, I still love you. Like we got, have beef for what babes? For what? Um. But I, I, I say all that to say, please go study for yourself. Don't take what I say on this episode or any episode that I've ever recorded and put out here as the absolute truth. You have a whole requirement, a whole responsibility to know the word for yourself. You're going to have to give a defense one day. And no, I'm not talking about Judgment Day. <laughs> I'm talking about when you have family and friends who don't believe and they need help understanding what it is that you believe. You're going to have to be able to give a defense. It's not going to be, oh, go to my um pastor. She'll be able to help you out. He'll be able to help you out. They'll be able to help. Like, no, 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 no. You need to be able to articulate what it is that you believe and why you believe it. It's becoming too important do you understand uh, i know this whole podcast is going in a direction i had no idea it was gonna go in we're gonna talk about the media episode y'all i promise you we are but do you understand how how vague the word christian is becoming nowadays i know christians who study chakras i know christians who use crystals i know christians who are into vibes and energy I know Christians who are heavily involved with astrology. I know Christians who are so tolerant that on issues, the Bible very clearly states that we not to deal with. They turn a blind eye to it. Being a Christian nowadays is kind of like saying you're from the South are from a particular region. You're from the North. Well, what does that mean? Are you from New York? Are you from Boston? You, you, did you grow up in New Jersey? I mean, North is, north can be as North as Massachusetts. We're talking Maine. Like, where are you from? Like, like it, it, it's very vague nowadays to call yourself a Christian. And therefore, it is important to understand what it is that you believe and be able to articulate that. It's important that you study your church history. It's important that you know the creeds. I I have mentioned, I don't think on the podcast episodes, but just in conversations with people, um, the Apostles' Creed. And they were like, what? And I was like oh that's a little scary because we're not we're not taught those things we don't study those things we're just taught come to church and serve and like that's really great please understand community is important and we need to be in the fellowship of other believers we really do um, but you also need to be able to articulate what it is that you believe because being a Christian out here nowadays is, is, I'm telling you it's, it means nothing no more I won't say it means nothing but it, it, it means very little it's a very vague term at this point and so it's becoming more and more important that we actually are able to articulate our faith so go do the research for yourself go study go open multiple translations go open commentaries go read you want a great place to start studying if you want to like get really really biblical and nerdy about it there is a software app called logos or logos 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 word in greek yeah logos um first of all it's expensive so like don't don't I ain't got no code I don't have a sponsorship with them although you know lord if you wanted to make out a way I ain't gonna be mad but (laughs) I don't have a sponsorship with them but they are a very helpful resource when it comes to studying different translations commentaries uh, references it's a it's a nice studying tool you can get it on your computer um probably on your tablet too i'm not sure because i don't have one but um i've used it while i was in seminary for a little bit and uh, i love it if you want a good place to start studying um translations i say get multiple of them get a good king james i listen i king james is not my favorite translation of the bible but you should have a good king james in your um collection i've got a king james i've got a new king james i've got the csb i've got the nasb and i've got the niv multiple translations and i'm going to get the interlinear and oh i can't wait for those of you who don't know what the interlinear bible is it has the greek and hebrew translations in the bible with the english translations and it is uh my goodness i love that i love it so much it is as literal as you can get it is as close to the word from word translation because i mean it's got it's got the greek and hebrew in it you can't get any closer than having the actual language and then the english right under it it's amazing um get multiple translations um study people get to know what the people that you're listening to believe Oh my gosh, it's so important. Like, please don't just listen to people because they sound really good, because they can make good points, because they have three point sermons, because they can use alliteration. Like, dude, who cares about that? (laughs) Like, I ain't trying to be funny. Like, sound preaching is more than can you make me feel good in the next 45 minutes? Can you tell me something I want to hear? Man, this isn't about the itching of ears. Like, yeah, we really have to be better at understanding what it is that we believe and that what. Who we are listening to also believes. So I mean, I'll, do your research. Do your research. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about last week's episode. This episode is already 20 minutes long, and we need to get into the meat of the episode today. I am so sorry. Um, so we're gonna keep this short, sweet, and to the point. Since I have <laughs> I have taken up all your time, I'm so sorry, y'all. We're gonna keep this short, sweet, and to the point. Um, if you, well, let me start off by saying, for, I get a good feeling that the most of you guys who have listened to my episodes or listened to my podcast are not on the reform side of things, which is cool. Because I mean, fun fact, I'm not. I'm not either. I, like I said, I fall somewhere in the middle. I will always be, in the words of one of my favorite YouTubers, a theological might. I fall somewhere in the middle of a whole lot of things. So. <laughs> there's that um but if you're not on the reform side of this of the camp of christianity i'm gonna say a name that you might be familiar with but you're gonna have absolutely no idea um the depth of which this man carries um his name is john MacArthur. um some of you are like oh yeah i know him and i'm gonna assume that most of you are gonna be like i've heard of that name but i don't really know who he is I'll explain to you. John Witt Arthur is the senior pastor of Grace Community Church. He is also um, involved with Master Seminary. I believe that is his seminary, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he is very, very, very well-known in the Reformed um, Calvinist areas of the church and for the most part, has been well respected. There are people who have differing opinions on him. I'm not sharing my opinion on him on this. You listen, I already I just told you we're not we're not a heretic hunter channel. You won't hear me praise or slander any any type of per it, it's just we're not about to do it unless we're talking about um well I mean we're gonna be talking about him. I'm just not gonna share my personal opinions on him. Anywho, um news has broken over the last week that a member of their church, her name was Ellen Gray um it's not Ellen Gray, my apologies, Eileen Gray um back in 2001 to 2002 slash 3 this happened over the expand of years um was a member of their church who suffered through a very abusive marriage, and was let down by John MacArthur and Grace Community Church and their elders. And we're going to talk about that just briefly on today. Um, I'll touch on what happened, kind of give you a backstory of all of that um, with Eileen and and David Gray and all of the things that happened. Um, but I th- I don't want to focus too much on. That In fact, what I will do is I'll post some links in the show notes to the article that um, covers this story and to um, a YouTuber who has done a pretty good um, cover of what's happening and how we should go about um, taking in this information and proceeding with it. Um, But I'm going to briefly cover it here so we have some context of what's happening. Eileen Gray was married to David Gray, a um, teacher believe pastor if I'm not mistaken at Grace Community Church, who the senior pastor is John McArthur. John McArthur, like I said, is very well known in the Reformed Calvinist areas of the church. Um, and even if you don't know him, I'm pretty sure you have seen a Bible study by him. I'm pretty sure you've seen a few commentaries with his name on it. He's very well known. He is also involved with Master Seminary. John McArthur's church, Grace Community Church, has been around also for a pretty long time. This happened back, like I said, in 2001 to 2003. Um, so it's been a a few it's been what 20 years (laughs) since this all started happening um hence that tells you just how long they've most likely been here but to start um getting into this story eileen gray was married to david gray and in the midst of this marriage eileen was going through a immense amount of abuse um in that marriage um her husband david was physically emotionally abusive to her and to her kids and she eventually um, had enough of this abuse and decided to go tell the elders of the church now at this time she was not seeking divorce but she needed to be protected I mean this man is laying hands on her he's threatening and hurting the kids um she wanted protection and so she went to the elders of the church asking for reconciliation she wanted to try to work on her marriage but at the time she needed protection she needed somewhere to go that she could be safe her kids could be safe also she really wanted her husband to seek professional help um and so in saying all of that she goes to the church elders and she talks about this and they come up with the conclusion that okay well we're not gonna give um to this idea of professional help apparently the idea of going to professional therapy and counseling was a worldly idea to them and that they would not participate in it but instead that they were going to subject them to biblical counseling through one of the people the associate pastors in the church now this associate pastor was unlicensed um, while, and I really want to break this down because I find it quite interesting a lot of people are like well how come he was a counselor but he was unlicensed. So um, I'll break it down for you a little bit. I have a psychology um, degree. Likewise, I was also in divinity studying to become a pastoral counselor. So I was studying in divinity. I mean, yeah, I was. I was getting my master's in divinity to become a pastoral counselor. Um, And I found out very quickly that there's a distinct difference between a therapist and a biblical counselor or a pastoral counselor. And I'll explain that to you. Um, So a therapist is someone who is Licensed, who has gone through a rigorous amount of hours. Uh, I believe, at least in my state, it's somewhere close to like 3,000 hours of actually practicing therapy um, with the supervision of a, a therapist someone who's been in the game for a hot second um, they usually have their master's in this they've went to school they, they're basically they've done a rigorous amount of work to have this license and to be called a therapist or a psychologist which would like you would have to have your doctor's degree and there's even more rigorous amount of work to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist of sorts um, for Someone who is a biblical counselor or a pastoral counselor, it is a little different. You don't necessarily need to have a psychology degree, a mental health degree, a mental health counseling degree, anything like that in order to become a biblical or a pastoral counselor. Um, the way I was going about it um, before I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a counselor, counselor, um, was that I was going through school, I was going to master's in divinity, and i had a focus and pastoral counseling and so what they did is they taught you how to deal with things from a biblical perspective um biblical from what they were teaching you what they believed that they that would be biblical to them um, and they taught you these tips and tools and and trades and all stuff they taught you basically how to how to go about therapy from a pastoral sense however there is no licensure at the end of it there is a, a licensure program i've heard about that you could possibly become a licensed pastoral counselor in some states however it is not something that is i'll put it like this it doesn't hold the same significance as someone who is a therapist um who studied mental health counseling all of that um it doesn't hold the same weight because at the end of the game at the end of it doesn't hold the same weight because at the end of the day there is no licensure board there's no rigorous amount of course hours that you have to do um from what i noticed when I was in divinity studying to pursue that route was that there was a capstone project um and of course I'm pretty sure they would expect you to be involved in some type of pastoral counseling but even then and I still have books from when I was studying all that stuff and looking at it there's a a distinct difference from what i learned while getting my psychology degree and what i learned getting this degree it's very different and and so when i say he's not licensed it's not to say that he wasn't unqualified but definitely not professional help um probably went to school for probably went. i would not be surprised if he went to john moth author's um seminary school that would only make sense considering he's an associate pastor of john author um but it doesn't have the same rigor Uh, in my opinion it doesn't hold the same weight people might argue me on that that's cool Um, but he was unlicensed to say the least and so she asked for professional help didn't get it but they went through the biblical counseling anyhow and in this biblical counseling sessions I believe there was 8 of them um, Eileen was told that she needed to model what it looked like to suffer for Jesus to her children as she endured this abusive relationship with David. Likewise, in this relationship in this relationship, in this counseling sessions, in these multiple counseling sessions, David confessed the abuse that he was participating actively doing to her and her children. So now not only. Are you telling someone they need to put themselves in danger to suffer for Christ? And I'm not talking about like there are stories in the Bible where we talk about people who suffered and, you know, were martyred for the faith. We hear about that all the time. And that's okay, cool, cool, cool. We're telling someone to stay in an abusive relationship in order to model what it looks like to suffer for Jesus. I just I I can't get with that. Likewise, you have that on top of someone confessing to a crime. This is child abuse here. Confessing child abuse to a mandated reporter. This associate pastor had a mandate under the law. I believe they were in California. Under that particular law to report child abuse. And a report was never made. And so, th- these counseling sessions go on. Eileen, at this point, rightfully so, is done with the situation. Like, how how dare you tell me to put myself in danger to model what it looks like to suffer for Jesus to my kids? I'm not doing... Like, rightfully so. She is, is fed up. She's irritated with the situation. Um, and so... She leaves, she gets this um order, a protection order on David and the kids on David, on kids, on David to um protect her and her kids and the church from this time going all the way up to let me look at my notes, I believe it is 2001. My apologies. So from 2001 to 2002, they're sending her multiple notes, um, multiple letters, telling her that she needed to do what was right by God by um, dropping this protection order and allowing David to come back home to his family, to his kids, that she needed to forgive him, that she needed to repent, and that if she didn't, she was threatened with public shame and humiliation. And... I just, anywho, this keeps going on for uh, a few months, up to a year. And then there is a clip that ends up happening in May of, 20... of 2022, May of 2002. And this clip is one of the most abusive displays of power I've ever seen in the church. John McArthur is somewhere in the middle of service. Um, I can't tell if they're just finishing the word for that day or I don't know. All I know is that they were most likely preparing to do communion according to what you could hear on the clip. Um, and the clip is in the article that I'll put in the show notes. John McAuthor gets up with all the confidence and says that it is the church's responsibility to... Hold accountable those who won't repent to use public shame to call them out all of that he prepares this up sets it up and says in all of this that he's talking about Eileen Gray and that she refused to repent or show any amount of grace to her husband and that they needed to as a church pray for David her husband who was abusing her and her kids she was un- she, she was being told that she was being graceless. That she needed to repent. For not taking her husband back. For not dropping the protection order. And the church needed to pray for David and the kids. As she is doing apparently to what Grace Community Church at that time thought was this unbearable evil vile thing that we would see as protecting her children and herself from an abusive man um he calls her out publicly and guys my my heart broke for this lady and likewise i was infuriated because as someone who has dealt with spiritual abuse um i i really feel like sometimes on any extreme of the church people often forget that when you're in a position of power, you hold a lot of influence and authority. Like you, what you say, people take to heart and they take it very seriously. And so I just like putting myself in the shoes of Eileen Gray, knowing that I have been through all of this stuff, all of this craziness with my husband and all the church elders, and now I'm publicly shamed. Like I I want you to sit and think of the looks she got after church. I want you to sit and think of the people who called her crazy when she said that her husband was abusing her and her kids. I want you to sit and think. I mean, put yourself in her shoes for a second. All you want to do is protect yourself and protect your kids. And you're being told that you're unrepentant? The words that really, really hit me in that two to three minute clip of drama author calling her out um, it was two things one he said that this this public shaming was the way of bringing heaven down mm-mm. Mm-mm. I just mm-mm. nope I can't something, something something about that didn't sit right with me but then the other thing was that they as a church he told them to treat her as an unbeliever for all they know, she might be. And all I could do is cry for that. Like, I, I I really had to, like, compose myself and get myself together for a second. Because there's, like, this mix of, like, anger and sadness. Anger that someone would abuse their power to abuse another person like that. Like, anger that that would even come out of your mouth. To say that she might be an unbeliever because she wants to separate from her abusive husband and protect her kids is wild to me it's beyond me i just I, I, anger in that case but then i was heartbroken because i mean basically what you're being told i, I really encourage people to put their in the mindset and in the um thought pattern. Put yourself in the shoes of Eileen Gray for a second. You have an entire community. You've been at the church for a while. Your husband is a pastor there. Your kids are there. You're in the crowd as this is happening. You're being told that the church needs to treat you like an unbeliever because you might be, because you would rather separate from your husband who wasn't willing to get professional help, who was being coddled by the church elders, then to allow yourself to suffer and to suffer for Jesus, whatever that looks like in that marriage. I just, that thing broke my heart. And so this goes on, she leaves and I'm, I'm glad they allow her to leave. And and leaving, she finally reports because, mind you, like I said, no one reported this abuse that was happening to the kids. She reports this abuse to the police, and she finds out the extent as they are investigating and preparing for a trial the extent of the abuse, which, from my understanding, might have been a little bit more than just physical and emotional or verbal. She understands the extent of this abuse and apparently the abuse is so severe that in 2005, David was convicted and sentenced to 21 years in prison. 21 years. What could you have done that was so unimaginable? Like, it couldn't have been like, it couldn't have been anything. Less than. Words I won't say on this podcast. Because I'm not trying to have it taken down. That you did. To your kid. 21 years. But no one felt like reporting this. My heart broke for this lady. Um. Anywho so a lot of people have been questioning why is it coming out now well it's coming out now because her kids are adults um mind you this happened between the years of 2001 as they're going through all these she's reporting it and they're telling her that she needs to suffer for jesus to 2005 when he is convicted um their kid it's been tw- almost 20 years now they her kids are grown they're grown people and in saying that you know it's just like it, this is this has been time. They've reported it. They've given the story over to someone um and that article broke and it just it broke my heart and I've done my fair share of talking about spiritual abuse um on this podcast and I I said I was gonna to touch on it briefly just to explain what was going on because I don't want the focus to be on John author or the elders of Grace Community Church because I feel like I feel like if my words haven't said anything, um they've already they've heard the message and they're acting according to the way they're acting. Um I'll put it like that. My Concern My words, my heart is with Eileen Gray and her kids. Oftentimes I see people, and I see it now and it's kind of heartbreaking, who hear the stories of abuse survivors. Of people who have gone through horrendous things, particularly in the church with dealing with church leadership and pastors and anything like that. I often hear people defend the leader. I've often hear people belittle the victim. I've heard people ask why the story is coming out now. Why didn't it come out earlier? I've heard people say, you know, well, you don't attack John McArthur. Look at what he's done for the church. You know, maybe he just didn't know a whole lot. Which I can. His church is, from what I understand, almost eight thousand people big, and it's very, very likely that he didn't know the whole thing. But I. For you to publicly shame someone, you had to have known something. Um, I've seen a lot of defense for the victim. I've seen a lot of people who are rallying and like, hey, when are you going to apologize? When are you going to fix the situation? But I have seen very few people actually say, I don't know where Eileen Gray is. I don't know where her kids are, but I'm so sorry this happened to you. And so that's that's kind of where my heart is today. That's kind of where my heart is on this podcast episode for today. Um, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I'm so sorry that you dealt with that for so long. That you suffered like that. And I know there is very little I can do, you, you barely know me, to ease the impact that that had on your life. But I can extend my apologies and I can pray that throughout all of this, God would show himself gracious, that he would comfort you in your times of troubles, that he would be with you when you're triggered, when the trauma lives back in your head and it loops again and again. I, I pray for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I, I pray for your peace. I think a lot of the times people hear the stories of those who have been through spiritual abuse because this is a very this is this is trauma. This was a traumatic experience. It had to be. Like I I'm no I'm no trauma expert. But I can imagine this being traumatic. So oftentimes I, I feel like people who have never really experienced um spiritual abuse or religious trauma they kind of like well okay well that happened so long ago you know it's okay like God's still good you know brush it off Get, you know it's all good like I've heard people I've heard people come across that way I've heard people and and they never mean it with ill intention but I've I, I guess I can say from someone who has first of all I thank God that it was never um, to the severity of physical abuse Um, in my case. I'm grateful for that. But as someone who has dealt with their own spiritual abuse, I pray the same things for you and for anyone who's listening like yeah I, 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 my heart is with Eileen Gray and her kids but if you're listening if you've dealt with spiritual abuse you've dealt with religious trauma my prayer for you is the same prayer as I pray for myself that when you're triggered and you can feel yourself reliving this moment again and again that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind My prayer for you is that when you are are scared, when anxiety takes over because you find yourself in situations that are similar to what you've dealt with, that god will give you wisdom and guidance and how to navigate all of that my prayer is that as you heal from this because if no one can tell you i can tell you healing from spiritual abuse healing from religious trauma is not something that happens overnight but it is a process you slowly it is like i really this is just the best visual i have for it at the moment and maybe one day i'll come back with a better visual but Imagine going into a place that you thought was safe and you, and you go vulnerable. you go in open, you go in willing, you go in ready for whatever happens. And you, you know, you're, you know, you know, people are are imperfect. You're, you're going to have a little bit of hurt. You're going to scrape a knee or two. Um, but that's to be expected. What you don't expect is for this place that you thought you could call home, this place that you thought you could feel safe in to become a war zone you didn't expect you walked in with no armor on you walked in open and vulnerable but because the place looked inviting but then at a moment's notice you're being stabbed you're being bruised you're being beaten you're being pierced and, and there's no end to it and so now what you do is that you never leave home without armor you never leave home to step foot. Like, I really want people to understand this. I, I have a lot of people who, who really are interested in the in the conversation of spiritual abuse, but you have never truly been through it. And that is okay. But I want you to hear it from someone who has been and from someone whose heart is broken for the person who was on the other side of this story, on the other side of this reporting. You go in vulnerable. You go in open. You go in Ready. This is church. You don't expect people to hurt you the way they hurt you. And this is not to say that God's people won't hurt you. We're imperfect. We're flawed. We are faulty humans. Dealing with other faulty humans. In a church that is still getting itself together. And so we expect hurt. But abuse is... It's one of those things that we just... It's hard to wrap your head around. And so you go in vulnerable. You go in prepared to scrape a knee. But you don't go in ready to take bullets. You don't... You don't go in prepared for people to smile in your face. And then cut your throat. Like, I, I hate to be graphic, but that's kind of the way it feels. And so now... Once you leave that place, you don't leave anywhere. You don't step foot in another place without armor on, without walls up, without the best protection around. And it makes sense. If you felt safe and then were attacked, you would never leave home without protection too. And the the downfall of this is it makes so it makes us it makes it so hard to walk into a church and begin to trust people and begin to allow them to see the parts of you that are also messy. It's hard because the last time you did that Someone smiled in your face and then broke you. And so my prayer is for eileen gray my prayers for her kids my prayers for anyone who has dealt with spiritual abuse is like yeah i know you've got your armor on i know you want to be protective i know you don't want anything to happen to you and that's understandable i just prayed that god's peace would be with you no matter where you go no matter what happens i pray that you would be covered by him i prayed that you would find peace in yourself i prayed that you would find peace in god i understand how it feels I pray you would find peace in therapy. Because friend, what you went through was traumatic. And although you might feel like, well, no one, no one, it wasn't that bad. Like no one did this or no one said that, you know, what you went through was traumatic. And you still have armor on. And you, you still have your walls up. And this is not to say that we should just go any place willy nilly. That we should just join any place willy nilly. That we should just, you know, take no lessons from it. But I, I really think people who want to understand spiritual abuse but have haven't really sat in it for a long time to understand it, don't understand the, the it, It's it's a whole other ball game. Like once you leave that place. Like, all I can think about is Eileen Gray and her kids leaving that place and going to another church, but then probably having the hardest time opening back up. And so, my, my prayers are with them. My prayers are with anyone who suffered with spiritual abuse. Man, it was. It was a lot. I, I just. I, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her kids. Who, are, I mean. Like, like, it's one thing to like suffer spiritual abuse from a pastor you're not related to. But to be abused by the pastor, who's your father, uh, my heart hurts for those kids. And I know they're grown people now and they probably are probably, you know, done a, a lot of work to move on past that. But still, you know... It's just, it's hard. And so I really, my heart is with them. And my um, guest statement would be for those who are listening, you know, if you know someone who is going through that, j- just pray for them. Be, be patient, be kind. Don't forget about them. <laughs> like, don't, don't forget about the victim. Don't forget about what it feels like. I mean, I really am praying for her and her kids and for anyone who's sitting under stuff like this. Because this happened in 2001, guys. Like, think about the amount of people in Grace Community Church or just in churches all across America, all across this world, who have suffered through other abuses like this. And... Are trying to reconcile their faith in all of that. My prayers are with you, ya uh, Yeah. Don't forget the victim. Don't don't forget about them. Don't don't forget to pray for their peace. Um just be there for them. Right now, as far as I know. They're separated. Her kids aren't under all of that anymore. And that's really great. But man, that those internal wounds, they, they hit a little deep. And so my prayers are with them. And my prayers are with you all. That we would be able to navigate this better. My prayers are with those who are in leadership. Who either don't understand the influence that their authority has... Or who do understand and are using that to get a favorable outcome. My prayers are with you that if you don't understand, that you would allow God to show you, and if you do understand, that your heart would be convicted. I just I'm praying about this whole thing, and so guys, that was the meat of the episode today. Um, if you want to hear more from your lovely host. You can follow me at whiff.love underscore Alexis on Instagram. And until next time, guys, love God, serve people, and don't forget the victim. Bye, y'all.